Okay, Bruchim Haboim, welcome one, welcome all, welcome to those joining us live here, welcome to those joining us on Chabad.org, to those who are going to be watching this, welcome one, welcome all, and Mazel Tov to the Siyum, as we conclude Sefer Kinyin, book number 12 of the Rambam, and we travel forth into Sefer Mishpatim, book number 13 of the Rambam, 13 of 14. We are less than two months away from the Siyum, which is taking place this year on Gimel Tammuz, on the holy and auspicious day of Gimel Tammuz, and uh, whether you've been diligently ensuring that every day you've been learning or, or not, these last two books are really a very opportune time to get on the bandwagon, to mechazek ourselves, and to strengthen ourselves to ensure that we study and that we do our best to understand the Limer HaRambam. Those who are, uh, have been asking, the uh, shear in English that I deliver daily is going to be beginning again. It's up on Chabad Arog already for tomorrow, and it will, God willing, continue for the last two books. And to join us as we conclude, Sefer Kinyan, we are honored to have Rabbi Shalom Ber Shuchat, a Dayan, a, uh, the head of the Koylal, Lahira Maisis, the Koylal in Kran Heights. Rabbi Shuchat is a halachic, uh, leader, uh, someone who people turn to in all areas of Jewish law. He teaches in the Kailal, and I want to welcome Rabbi Shuchat. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're, 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 we're uh, excited to hear you today. And uh, I'd like to ask you, you know, there are many Dayonim, there are many judges within the Chabad movement who've been here for Yoival 50 years, more or less. You are from the rising stars, shall we say, new in the halachic world. Uh, more of a contemporary of myself. And I guess my first question is, how does one get involved? How does one become a Dayan? Is there a 1-800-Dial-A-Dayan? Uh, how does someone like yourself, who went through the yeshiva system, how are you where you are today at the forefront of Jewish law in uh, Chabad and beyond? First of all, I'm not in the forefront of Jewish law, I wish. Um, I'm somewhere in the middle. The, the how, how does one become a dain? Let's uh, answer that question first, and then we can understand, and I'll explain how I became a dain. And generally speaking, when a person studies in Yeshiva, he studies the Talmud, he studies the various uh, tractates that are relevant to, to, uh, to Jewish law, a few of them. And then when he's finished yeshiva, he learns smicha, he becomes ordained as a rabbi. The smicha that a regular rabbi learns is pretty much, yeah, you hear me? Yeah, okay, we got you, yes. We're on this now. Yes, sorry. I said the, 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 the regular person, when you, when you finish yeshiva, the first thing you do, you get smicha. Smicha is regular rabbinic ordained. You become a rabbi. You learn the halachas, the laws that are relevant to a regular person's life. For example, you learn the laws of, the laws of Shabbos, you learn the laws of kosher kitchen, and so forth, so on and so forth. To become a dayan means you become a rabbinical judge. A rabbinical judge, you're not just a rabbi, it's, we'll call it the second, uh, the second degree. You go from a, if the first degree is a, is the rabbinical ordination, the second degree is dayanus, where you learn the halachas, which are not so common to the day-to-day -day life of each person, there are more have to do with decisions that are mainly monetary, and or decisions that have to do with with uh, marriage, divorce, and and uh, and the lineage and lineage of, of, of people. I'm researching the lineage 
um, the laws relating so to the marriage. We, it's, it's fair to say these are more contentious and uh, uh, somewhat uh, uh, controversial, and they can create problems. So how does someone, I want to hear your story, Rabbi. Go ahead. So you want to hear my story. So first of all, you know me long enough, so you should have known the story a long time ago, but I'll say it anyways. You know me from before I had the Dayanus. The, I was in Yeshiva in Miami in 2002, 2003. Towards the end of 2003, I was at the time I was 18, I uh, had a meeting with the head of the yeshiva about uh, my future studies. And this Rabbi Shapiro is his name. I'm sure a lot of people on the group, um, a lot of people on this Zoom have learned by him or have uh, definitely heard his name. And he told me that he thinks that I should focus more on practical halacha and I should get rabbinical, I should become ordained as a rabbi. Usually you do it a little bit later. He says, go for it next year. Instead of continuing yeshiva, get yourself rabbinical ordination and then go on and learn Dionysus, learn to become a, a rabbinical judge. So I thought he was uh, just being nice. So I said, okay, fine. I learn, I'll, I'll, I'll learn, I'll become a rabbi. I'll get ordained and then we'll see what happens afterwards. I went to California. I learned to, to where you are, where you guys are now. I was in Los Angeles and I learned uh, rabbinical ordination. The one who tested the group was Rabbi David Chachat from Toronto. He's not related to me. And at the last uh, test, when I was the last one to go based in alphabetical order, I'm Shin, so I was the last one on the test. He looks to me and he tells me, asks me another few questions in addition to everybody else. Then he tells me, I think you should go into Dionys. You should learn Dionys. You should start learning the rabbinical so I said, okay, I have one from last year. Rabbi Shapiro told me to do it. Rabbi Shachat is telling me to do it. So I'll try it. I'll go for it. That's what I did. I started learning it, but I was working in yeshiva. So I would learn in between here and there. I would learn. After How I long does it take you to learn the Dionys? Huh? How long did it take you How to How long does it? I'm sorry, we lost to you. To learn... yes. What? Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. The amount of time it learned things from Dionysus is about uh, eight to nine years. It took me close to a little bit less than that. And uh, then I was looking for shluchas. I was thinking of becoming a Chabad rabbi. I was looking into different places. And I went, to, as I was studying Dionysus, I wanted to go see how a Besden operates. I went to check a Besden in Brooklyn. That was exactly 10 years ago, a decade ago, to, in, in the, this month of the year 2011. And the head of the Besdin took a liking to me and he told me to start sitting at the, at the rabbinical court to, as a semi-stenographer, take notes. And then a year later, exactly nine years um, as of uh, Pesach Sheni of this year and the 14th of year will be nine years since I was officially um, appointed as a judge, a rabbinical judge in the rabbinical court. Mazel tov on entering your decade of Rabbanus. So you sat through nine years of interesting cases, and now to this audience, you're going to give us the most contemporary, the most relevant, and the most interesting case. We've just finished learning a book, and you know, tomorrow's year, we've been talking about shepherds, and we've been talking about cows, and we've been talking about various wells, and all different businesses. Can you please take us to the 21st century and give us a contemporary, modern, interesting case that we can, and now that we've concluded Kenyan, that we can really apply to our lives? So I was thinking about Kenyon. The last uh, section of Kenyon is talking about uh, slaves and uh, 
I was not, I, I didn't have as of yet any, any uh, rabbinical cases revolving slaves. So I don't really have anything <laughs> about that. So I went back a little bit to the section before the slaves, which is the halachas of, of, uh, of uh, partnerships and the halachas of, of, uh, of a piece. You send somebody to do something on your behalf. You can, use, you can use the Hebrew words, the, the crowd understands. So there is a very interesting halacha right in the beginning of the first parak of Shulchan Veshutfim, the parak Aleph, halacha Hey, says if somebody gives money to his shliach, to his representative, to go buy, to go buy, uh, to go buy wheat or barley, and the, he goes there, there was a, and there's a specific price, a set, a set determined, predetermined price. And he sends him with a certain amount of money to buy a certain amount of wheat. So he's expecting, sending him with $100, he's expecting to get 50 pounds of wheat. And the guy comes back with 60 pounds of wheat. He didn't pay an extra penny. He went to the store and he got, instead of getting 50 pounds of wheat for $100, he got 60 pounds of wheat for $100. The store owner's a nice guy. Store owner, maybe the store owner's a nice guy. We don't know. We don't know. He says anything... The Rambam says, anything which is added by the sellers, it gets split between both, belongs to both. And so that means that the extra 10, which were given by the seller, belong to both and they have to be split. And why is that? Why is that? It's explained that it's based, the Rambam does not explain it, but it's explained in, in other places that it has to do being that we don't know Who's, who was the one who caused this additional bonus? Some say, well, he could, the, 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 the guy could, the, the one who, sell, who gave the money could say, well, you walk into a store with $100 and you want 50 pounds of wheat. The guy is so excited. Nobody ever buys so much wheat. So he gave you an extra 10 pounds, obviously because of my money. And the one who went to buy the, the wheat, he comes, uh, he says, well, you, you don't know that. The store owner happens to be my friend. He's only walking through the store and he said, you know what? Oh, you're my friend. Good to see you again. You're buying 50. I'll give you another 10 as an as extra. So it's, since it was not described by the seller why he's giving it, why he's giving it, so both of them split it. From that, so that seems a pretty simple case. Happens to be this is one of the, one of the halachas that come across in very, very different scenarios of the entires of uh, in the rabbinical court, when you have situations where money comes in unexpectedly or something comes in unexpectedly, and and uh, the question is, who does it belong to? If two people are, so to speak, partners in this money, if it was, if it could have, if it couldn't have been done by one without the other, or we don't know on whose behalf it is, what do we do with this money? Interestingly, I had a case not so long ago, which revolved around something which everybody knows about. And that is last year when uh, Corona hit, one of the first things that was done was the government in, in instituted what they call the Payment Protection Plan loan, the PPP loan, where they gave you two and a half times your average monthly, average pay, payroll protection program. That they gave you, the federal government gave you a loan for two and a half times your monthly um, payroll, and uh, and uh, then and then as if you don't fire any of your workers and you use the majority of the money for salaries and a little bit for other things, then 
the government will forgive the loan and, and it's a, it becomes into a grant. If not, it becomes into, it remains a loan with, uh, with interest. So you had to use whether 75% for 70, first it was 75% for salaries and it became to 60% salaries. Fine. What happens is a guy comes and the, now you have the, the PPP was given. The business continued working. It was a successful business, even during Corona, maybe even made more money during Corona. For whatever reason, this business was, was doing better. But they had the PPP and they had a few thousand dollars that they got, a few tens of thousands of dollars. And now the, the few months pass and the money is, the loan is forgiven. So the company just made a nice chunk of cash bonus that they wouldn't have made otherwise. Who does, well, the money we, if not for us being here, you wouldn't have been able to get this money. The owner says, if not for me employing you, you also wouldn't have been able to get the money. So the first question would be, maybe maybe that's uh, that's similar to it. So this is a case that came before you, PPP, it who came be case before me. Or the employer. Uh, both came to me. They both agreed that I, I should make a decision on the matter, the employer and the employee. Now, I'm obviously changing some details because um, I don't know who's watching this and I hope they're not there so they shouldn't be. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say exactly what happened. However, the, like I said, like we said in the Rambam, you know, the, the, the simple reading would be that you split it. And now it's interesting to note in Shulchan Aruch, which quotes the Rambam, there are certain, certain commentaries. One of them is the, the, the Sma, Sefer Meir Sinai. He says that really according to logic, Everything should have gone to the to the guy who went to buy the the wheat. It really should have all belonged to the guy, not to the not to the one who paid the money. But our sages say, well, being that the only way he got the benefit is through the money, so he has to share in the being that the, the that the owner was the one who helped him get this money, so he has to share with him. And okay, so that's a, that, that, that's a practical example of how we go from wheat and practical, barley. It's a practical example. Century. Right. So the, so the questions over here was, first you have to see if the money actually belongs, what, what was the purpose of this money being given, right? So, the, so when you look at it, the government clearly tells you that 60% has to go, 60 or 75 has to go to the workers. So that means that they are not giving it for you to pay for your expenses. They're giving it only 25% or 40%, whatever it is, expenses. That means without the workers, you can't get the loan. A owner, a business owner who laid everybody off can't get the loan. But the workers, these workers, if the owner wouldn't have gotten the loan, they wouldn't have been able to, to benefit from it. That means a worker, an employee who, who has, was laid off, can't apply for a PVP loan. He could apply for unemployment, but not for a PPP loan. And the and the, the government was just wanted to have the money instead of it going through unemployment. The money the government wants the workers to make the money. That's what they really want. Okay. That's that's well, how they look at it. We're, we're, we're gonna cut you off short. This is a, a beautiful example of some way to transport the Rambam uh, thousand years forward or so. And uh, in the in the last 120 seconds, Rabbi. Take us behind a, a din terra. Someone comes to you. You are then become God's messenger in this world to decide the right and the wrong. But if someone's coming to you in a case and they say, hey, Rabbi, I really want you to, 
to, to push for my side. Maybe some, maybe the other side got another rabbi, you got another rabbi. Are you really, whose side are you on? Are you on Halacha's side? Are you on the plaintiff's side? Are you somewhere in the middle? How does that work uh, when we talk about, especially when we talk about a Zabla where there are multiple uh, Dayanim, multiple judges vying for the defendant and the prosecutor? Okay, so let's let's just go. Since you mentioned the word zabla, we'll go. There are two forms of having a a, a, a bezdin. We, we got a we, we, we got about 120 seconds. You have to have the three. First of all, you said that we're God's representatives. Happens to be the only place where it says that God is present, even today, aside for the Beis Hamikdash and the synagogues and everything else. It says that God is present in bezdin. When there's an Torah happening, God is there in the place. You come in front of God. That's the way the Torah the Torah defines it. They stand in front of God. That's so. I'm not going to say that I created the world, but that's what it is. That's how we we are like uh, we are uh, we are standing there. God is there with us, and uh, we it's a big responsibility for us. So there's two ways. There's a bezdin, which is three neutrals, and then there's a bezdin of law, where each one each one chooses one. That person does not become his representative. That he's allowed to twist and turn whatever he wants. That's not how it works. All it is is that since I chose my rabbi. So my rabbi has to find in halacha as much latitude as he has the latitude, anything he could find in halacha within the books of halacha that fits my case. Anything that's not in the books, I can't make it up on my own. So I sit over there. Sometimes there might be different, there's differences of opinions. The Jews, we have many opinions. Some topics in halacha have 10, 15 opinions. And and so I, if I sit as, a, as, as the dying that was chosen by one side, I'll go and I'll try to find every opinion that supports my person. But if I find that, but if my guy is totally wrong and I can't find anybody that supports him, I'm going to have to say that he's wrong. I can't say, oh, I, can, I can't stand my ground and say he's right, but he's wrong. So as a blow, yes, you push as much as you can, but you still have to be, you're still limited within the framework of Allah. You can't do whatever you want. Should they, when it comes to monetary, the Shulchan says, everything is as the dying sees fit. That's the rule. However, everything is the way the dying sees fit also has to fit within the framework of halacha. You can't make a decision which is contradicts halacha, which contradicts any opinion, in, which contradicts all the opinions in halacha. If you have a question and 15, 15 opinions say this is wrong, and you can't even find one that says this is right, you can't say, well, my opinion is that he's right. I call the free race and it doesn't work like that. You're gonna to have to take it and then that's it. You have to you have to be you have to as hard as it is sometimes because you're supposed to push for your guy, you're gonna to have to say in this case he's wrong. Thank you very much, Rabbi Shukhar, for taking us behind the scenes of a, a uh, Bezdin. May Hashem give you tremendous brach and atzlach and guide you to be able to come to the truth of Torah. We'd now like to honor you, Rabbi Shuchat, with please reading for us and being Messiah, concluding the very, very end of Sefer Kenyan, the very end of this book. You'll see it on the screen with it. It's a long halacha we'd like to go towards. You can sort of summarize it for us as we're going to move along, especially as the Rambam concludes here about uh, the uh, great value of having mercy and compassion. Go ahead. Okay, so the Rambam, the Rambam begins with a... statement which uh, which uh, to have a slave a a a canaanite slave perform labor which is excruciating which is very hard but then the rambam right away asks you something he says even though that is the that is the letter of the law 
Midas Chasidus, the, the, the way a Chasidus is a Daki Chachma and is smart in the way of the wisdom, is that a person has to be, has to be, has to have mercy. And he has to, to pursue justice. And he should not put a yoke on his slave. And he should not make him make his life miserable. Not only that, he has to feed him and give him to drink from every single kind of food and drink that he serves him. It means he becomes a member of the family. Not only that, it even tells you the original Chachamim, the, the first sages, they would take, and if they would have a buffet, they would have a, 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 a meal, they would tell the slave, he, they would give him something from each and every dish that was, that was on the table. So this makes sense, you know, he's, he's your slave, you have to treat him like a human being. Then comes, and the Rambam tells you something more than that. Not only is he equal to you, he actually gets fed before you. <clears throat> it says that the, you have to feed your animals and your slaves before you feed yourself. Because it says, it says because the, the Pasuk says, the, it says in the Psalm, and it says in, in Tehillim, as the eyes of slaves are to their master's hand, and like the, like the eyes of a maidservant to his mistress, so are our eyes to God. We're compared to slaves, and we want to, that God should look at us the way we treat our slaves. So we give the slaves first before we give our, before we give our, before we give ourselves. Not only do you give him more, before you and you give him equal to give him everything you get that continues and he says you cannot you cannot embarrass him not with your actions not even with your words because when the Torah said that you're allowed to own a slave that doesn't mean that means that they could do work for you it doesn't mean that you have the right to embarrass them and put them down you can't scream at them you can't get angry at them you have to speak with them very nicely hear what complaints they have and uh, obviously, if you hear their complaints, it's because you should you should take care of them, so you shouldn't have any complaints. And it says about Eiv that one of the one of the great things it says about him, it says that he that he uh, when he was saying, he says, "Have I ever, have I ever shunned justice for my slave and maidservant when they argued with me? The one isn't isn't he the one? Isn't he? That means that God is the one." Who made me? He's also the one who made them. We're all made the same way. And then the Rama continues and says, the arrogance and cruelty is only found in people who worship who worship idols. But the, but the but the, the the progeny of Avram, the Jews, and all the people that that the Jews have an effect on, we got from God the Torah, which shows us how to be good, gives us the good of the Torah, and He gave. Gave us laws, and he gave us laws, and these laws are all are all uh, are, are all from being a tzaddik to, to become righteous and to become and to become uh, with pity. And not only did he tell us to do it, the same thing is, and the way that like, the way God Himself is, because God told us that we have to be similar to how He is, just like God has pity on all His beings. So too, we're also supposed to have pity on all of God's creations. And that obviously includes the slave that he's created. And anybody who forgives, and anybody who has pity, who has mercy on God's creations, it says God will have mercy on him. It says, like the Apostlech says, God will, God will show you mercy, and he will, be, he will have mercy upon you, and he will make you, he will make you multiply.
And therefore, Mazel tov, Mazel tov, Mazel tov. Thank you, Rabbi Shuchat. God bless you with long, healthy years to continue endear, engendering compassion and not strife within the Jewish people. Tremendous Hatzlacha, and thank you very much. Now, you're welcome. We, we can now immediately come right into the book of Kenyan, and we are honored to have join us Rabbi Yossi Lipsker, who is the author of the forthcoming uh, monumental Sefer, Eitzar HaMelech. We're going to talk to him at length about this uh, new monumental work and book. But beforehand, Rabbi, could you please give us the opening lines, the opening, bring us into the laws of Shemrim, of Schirus. Go ahead. Of course. I'm glad my halacha is very short. <laughs> it's just the Perek Aleph, Halacha Aleph of Hilcha Schirus that Amnon tells us there are four types of watchmen discussed in the Taira. Yet they each, they only have three p- potential uh, laws. What are the four types of watchmen? The unpaid watchman, the borrower, the paid watchman, and the renter. And then the next halacha at length deals with their laws. <laughs> Thank you very much. So first of all, mazel tov, mazel tov uh, from everyone. This is a... Uh, uh, a uh, joy. We are eagerly awaiting, I believe in two months uh, or so, the book is set to be produced, at least that's what the advertisements say. So at uh, yep. a young age like this, this should be the first of many, many future books and endeavors. So thank you on behalf of everyone. So give us an overview. What is the Sefer? Many people uh, subscribe to your uh, daily uh, uh, shear, your daily compilation. Give us just <coughs> breath, the size, the uh, the uh, length, the latitude, the longitude, and the entire scope of the book. Give us it in, in, in a 60 seconds or so. So in 60 seconds, uh, the Rebbe spoke prolifically. About 11,000 hours we have rec- recorded of the Rebbe's talks, and they're published in over 200 volumes. And the Rebbe didn't speak thematically. Anytime the Rebbe got up for a Fabringen or for a rally or for a convention, anything was on the table. So from the Torah to current events to Gemara to Rambam, and here, because Hasidim learn Rambam every day, we've always been looking for a way to index everything the Rebbe said on the Rambam specifically. And because there's such a great amount of the Rebbe's Torah, it's very hard for the average learner to locate every single thing. And so what we set out to do as the last cycle of Rambam began was to see if we can gather everything in that the Rebbe said on the daily Rambam. And Baruch Hashem, that's basically turned into what we now have about 700, 750 pages of printed work where a person could in one hand hold everything the Rebbe said on the Rambam. And so you got it? Nothing missing? Um, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable to say that I have 95% of it. Really? I'm sure there's always, there's always things that are going to be missing. And that's what the printing is for, that people can discover what I missed, not that people can read what it actually says. <laughs> so have you now you're obviously finishing this up have, have you seen have you said oh wow i missed this i missed this or anything new has come to light anything interesting you know that's funny that you mentioned it actually today we have a team that's working on editing the safer in its final in its final stages and so believe it or not in the middle of i'm learning about hanukkah so we have the hilchas hanukkah and i was reviewing something i made myself a note to go back to this one letter that the rebbe wrote in uh, tafshin mem gimel in 83 for hanukkah and there's a footnote there where uh, the Rebbe discusses the particular order of how the Rambam put the wicks before the oil, the oil before the wicks. And uh, as I'm looking at that, I actually see that there's a reference that hadn't caught my eye before to a halacha about a completely different subject. 
So we're talking now about sacrifices. From Hanukkah, we jumped to sacrifices. And because of that, I was able to locate another thing that was missing and it just got added in today. So uh, in the final days before we go to print, we're picking up even more pieces. Wow. Tell me, is there anything, any what we call Pearson Rishon, anything that has never seen the light of day in this book, anything uh, that's a first-time edition? That's an interesting question. So I would say there's two elements to the answer there. Firstly, um, over the years, especially after Gimel Tamuz, Hasidim for different family simchas have published what's called shuras, gifts, mementos from weddings, where they publish either family-related or otherwise collected answers or handwritten notes from the Rebbe. And uh, one of the big things that's going to be included in this book is a number of those letters that have never really been published formally in any of the Rebbe's published Torah. So those are going to be making it into, into, this, uh, into the safer stuff as recent as uh, a year ago that was printed for the first time. So you've but, looked through all these churis and you're going through this through the deck and you're going to, wow, that's very, okay. Yeah, in other words, this is comprehensive to a new okay. level. But one, one thing that actually, talking about Hanukkah before, so this uh, hit me today, was that uh, once I announced online the other, the other week about the Safer going public, so um, I've actually began receiving a lot of emails from people that are very interested in looking forward to the work and just pointing out to me things that, might have, that I might have missed. They're asking me if I know about this, if I know about that. Like I said before, about 95% of the stuff I, I had already in the Safer, but it was an email that I got three days ago from um, somebody, I don't know if he wants me to share his name, so I won't, but he said that there is an interesting Safer called Be'edus Nosan, from Arab, Rabbi Rabinowitz lived in the East Side, and uh, there's a Yechidus that he records having with the Rebbe in Tafshin Lamed Zayin, 1977, where the Rebbe and him discussed the Rambam. So this guy asked me if I knew about it. So I said, no, I, I looked it up. And uh, fascinatingly, do we have time for the story? Yes, let's hear the story, Rabbi. Go ahead. Okay, very, very quickly. The, the Rambam in the beginning of Hilchas Hanukkah spends two full halachas, two full paragraphs describing the story, the background of, of what happened to create the Hanukkah miracle. And it's very unusual for the Rambam was very terse, precise, succinct to, to spend so much time on the background story. And the Mepharshim Meaning he doesn't tell us the story of Pesach or Purim? Or right. Sukkot. Pesach we don't tell us, Shavuos we don't get, or Shoshana and Kippur, Sukkot, Purim, nothing. Only Hanukkah. So it's very, very unusual. So he says he came into the Sikhidus and he asked the Rebbe uh, why that is. And he then offered his own answer. He said... The Rambam in the Hakdama, the preface to his book, he says that uh, what's unusual and what's going to be a great achievement of this Sefer is that a person could simply read Torah Shabbat could simply read the written book, the five books of Moses and the rest of the Bible, the Tanakh, and be able to jump straight into the Rambam and get all of Jewish law. So this rabbi had a very interesting chak. He said, every single story of every Yom Tif is told in the Torah. Even Purim, is also told in Tanakh, it's in the Megillah. But Hanukkah is the only story that we don't have recorded in Teresh HaBiksav. So jumping from Teresh HaBiksav to the Rambam, the Rambam has to provide that background and give you what happened by Hanukkah. And the Rebbe, he writes in his Sefer, the Rebbe actually agreed with this, but then the Rebbe added and said on a simpler level, the answer that you could give for the reason why the Rambam uh, puts the laws of Hanukkah, the story of Hanukkah is because Hanukkah is all about pursuing Nisa, spreading the miracle. And so since it's an integral part of Hanukkah to spread the miracle, we even find in halacha that if you can't spread the miracle, you're actually not allowed to light Hanukkah candles. 
So like if a certain time passed and nobody's going to see it, you're not allowed to. So, uh, so you see that the nest is so important. So therefore the Rebbe said, the Rambam would have to tell us about uh, this background nest of Hanukkah, which nest we're about to spread. And he said that he engaged in a discussion with the Rebbe about this answer. And the Rebbe also agreed with his analysis of that. And this was all printed in the Sefer Beidus Nassim, which thanks to this email, uh, we now have access to and is going to be included in the Sefer as well. Wow. Okay. This is, this is a, obviously to everyone listening, this is extremely impressive. We <coughs> many, there are many works that try to reorganize uh, teaches Torahs of the Rebbe, and they basically just take it and reformat it. But this is this is culling and, and, and adapting from so many different places, all coming together under one in one safer. But break it down for us. If you have to say, where obviously we 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 know that there are certain areas. Which areas of the Rebbe focus on more? If you have to break up your safer and say, hey, it's seven hundred and fifty pages or so. How many pages on the books? Like we just finished Kenyan. So Kenyan, how much relative to other books, or how many laws? How, how would that work? Yeah, this is a fascinating thing that I discovered on the journey of creating the Sefer, is that uh, if I could use these words, we have 750 pages ready pretty much. A third, I would, I would say confidently a third of the Rebbe's explanations on Rambam deal with Hashem, Mashiach, and the Beis HaMikdash. So the first four chapters of Hilchus Yusei De'atera, the last two chapters of Rambam and Mashiach, and the eight chapters of Hilchus Beis HaMikdash, 14 out of a thousand Prakim occupy a third of the Rebbe's attention, which I think is fascinating because fundamentals in Judaism are exactly that, Hashem, Mashiach, and the fact that in the world we have a place where Hashem is revealed. So uh, I thought that was a very, very fascinating nugget. And what's what's number four? Is it- number four is, is tshuva, I would say. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. That's all. Okay. So, uh-huh. okay. Any son the Galim Elibus was tshuva. Rabbi, God should bless you that this should be the first of many, many, many works that you should bring to the Jewish world and to all of us that have this Torah. And uh, this should be an, 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 a renewed and invigorated chayas as we're going to continue our limit HaRambam. Hatzlach thank you very, very much for joining us. And we look forward. Gimel Thomas, it'll be out? Bezras Hashem, it'll be in stores the week of. And it's, and it's being published by? It's being published actually graciously by Kahas, the official Chabad publishing arm, which is a huge thing. Okay. Okay. Kahas Publishing, Rabbi Lipsker. Tremendous Hatzlacha. Thank you very, very, very much. And now, Thank you, um, uh, we're going to, as we always conclude, we're going to pull up the quiz for today. If we can uh, pull up the quiz, please. And uh, we have a winner from last time. Well, who was the winner from last time? If we could announce his name, uh, if the moderator could send me that name, that would be great. And uh, could we please pull up the uh, the uh, quiz uh, will test our knowledge uh, for this time. Is, that, uh, is it coming up? If not, I will read the questions aloud. Here we go. Okay. Which of these sets of halachas are not included within the Sefer we just learned in Sefer Kenyan? Which are not? Avadim, Chevel, Amazik, Mechira, or Shluchin, Beshutfin? Which one is not one of the sets of halachas we just learned? Number two. Can a Kohen, who is an Eved Ivri, marry a Shifcha Kanainis? Okay, no, under all circumstances, yes, under all circumstances, no, if he was sold by Bezdin, yes, if he sold himself, who remembers whether a Kohen is allowed to marry a, uh, a, a Kohen who's an evidence, he's allowed to marry a Shifla Kedainis. Number three, let's say someone was forced to sell, they were forced to give a gift, is that transaction valid or invalid? 
Is it valid for a gift? Is it valid for a sale? Always, never. For a gift, yes. For a sale, no. For a sale, yes. For a gift, no. Is that true? Someone points at gunpoint and says, give me, give me, give me this as a gift or sell it to me. Number four, if someone violated Shabbos or Yom Tov and made a sale, what is the halacha? Is that sale valid? Is it null and void? Is, is, is it none of the above? Is it, uh, does he get malchus? Does he get punished? Does he get malchus mardus? Who remembers uh, that? Number five, regarding which halacha in Hilchas Chiyamatana, does the Rambam bring the number 13? The number 13 was mentioned somewhere. Who can remember what interesting story and case and situation had something to do with 13? Number six, Kenyan is one of blank svarim that we begin learning on a separate day from the Siyam of the last Sefer. Okay? How many days ago did we learn, did we finish the last Sefer? In other words, if you can know how many chapters there were, you divide that by three, then you'll know how many days ago it was that we finished the last book. Um, number seven, the Rebbe spoke about a certain rule that the Ramam repeats multiple times in Hilchas Mechir. What is that? What rule is that? Is it Katnein Leidas and Hilchum Bamamana Chareiv, Hakal Kamina Gamadina, or Vachain Kali Kaliyetza Bazet? And finally, number eight, the final halacha in Sefer Kenyan speaks about compassion, Jewish compassion, which we just had Rabbi Shuchad read. In which of these halachas was compassion not mentioned? When was compassion not? Hilchas Shuvah, Hilchas Esuribi, Hilchas Matnasanim, and Hilchas Nazirus. When is compassion not mentioned in these halachas? Give you a moment, and we'll pull up the answers. And uh, well, who was the winner from last time? I believe we have a, an answer for that now. Who was the winner of last time? Um, I don't Okay. I was told that we have a winner from last time to announce. Okay. We'll pull down the, uh, the uh, uh, quiz and let's see how you did on the quiz. Can we please put down the quiz and can we please, I'll give, it, I'll give the answers right now as soon as the quiz is down. Can we take that again? Can we please take down the quiz? There we go. Okay. The, the, which halachas did we not learn? That was in Nazikin, not here. Can the Kayan who's an Ebedibri, can he marry a Shifcha Kanainis? The answer is yes, if he was sold by Bezdin, not if he sold himself. Yes, if he was sold by Bezdin. Now, if someone violated Shabbos and Yom Tiv to uh, and made a sale, is that sale valid? Yes, but the seller now receives Makas Mardus, rabbinically he receives lashes. Now, we said, where was the number 13? Number 13, remember, where the, uh, where the woman ate the fruit for 13 years, uh, but she wasn't able to acquire the field? That was that case, if you recall that one. Number six, it was one of the four svarim that we began to learn on a separate day, the last sefer. Number seven we had was, the Rebbe spoke about hakol keminag hamadina. And number, finally, was which halachas is compassion not mentioned? That was hilchas nazirus want to give a very, very special thank you to all those who helped put this together. Again, I am the face in front of you here, but this is the work of many people who put together the flyers, the marketing, uh, the quizzes, uh, finding the speakers and arranging the entire event. Thank you, Rabbi Yaakov Tzvi Kanter, Rabbi Chaim Zaklis, Rabbi Yisrael Lane, Rabbi Yossi Lipsker, uh, Rabbi David Bush, and all those who I failed to mention. Thank you, God bless you. We look forward in less than two months from now for the Grand Seum, but as we will conclude in 75 days of chapters away, so we're 25 days away from a Seum on Sefer Mishpatim. Thank you very, very much.
God bless you. And let us now make sure for the next 25 days that we diligently learn and make our way through. Say from Mishpatim, Haslacha Rabbah. Thank you, Rabbi Shucha. Thank you, Rabbi Lipsker. God bless you all.